This is episode 6 of The Impulse Project, featuring music from the demo scene and the tracking community.
Welcome back to The Impulse Project. This is episode six. I am hosting the show today, Brian, and hosting alongside me is Ed. Hello there. And today we're going to kind of slow things down a little bit. Yeah, we've been exploring the more traditional demo scene, chiptune style songs, which right. are very happy, you know, very danceable, lots of, you know, note runs and stuff like that. But there's a whole other side to that, too, where people write these amazing ballads and these very emotional songs uh, that have, you know, come out for not only uh, on mod trackers, but, you know, we've got some songs from the Commodore 64, the SID chip as well, which we played in our last episode. Yep. And I just wanted to kind of show off what these are artists can do when they're not just going for really happy-go-lucky traditional chip style music. Yeah, you know, when you first told me uh, kind of about this theme, I was like, you know, like, this is a really great idea because there's a lot of mellow jams that I'm really into. And there's a lot that I, you know, I'll find as like I'm listening to a bunch of music and I will kind of put off to the side in a folder. And then I, I went back to look for something that would fit the episode. And I realized man, this is a lot harder than I thought because, you know, looking through some of this, uh, some of this music, you know, maybe half the song is, is really mellow and slow. And then the last half, it just completely flips upside down and, and goes, you know, a hundred miles an hour again. So really kind of finding something that stays within the, uh, confinements of like, like a, almost like a ballad was uh, a little bit more challenging, but it's a lot of fun because there's a lot of really good tunes out there, like you were saying. Oh, totally. And that track that brought us in was uh, completely a good example of, of one of these kinds of tracks. Uh, so that was called Forever Love. It was a 15-channel impulse tracker file from Radix and Analog, and it was a whopping 522 kilobytes. It came out in November of 2006. So at the time of composition, Radix was a member of Lem. And Analog was a member of Process 5. So Radix is a pretty popular chip tuner, from what I understand. I don't have too much experience with them, but you said when I showed you the track that you were really into them. You know, there's not like a huge collection of songs that uh, that I can, you know, name off the top of my head. But it's a name that I've seen pop up and that I'm familiar with on songs that I like. So I couldn't pinpoint like a specific track, but... I, I do see that name pop up quite frequently. So Yeah, he's been composing since the 90s, and he's still going strong. And from what I gather, uh, as I kind of cruise around the internet looking up his name, is that he's regarded as being one of the best chiptune, you know, Amiga Tracker composers out there. And I completely believe it with this track. Oh, yeah. This track sounds so authentic to me. Like, you could take... Most of these instruments, except maybe that square wave lead, which is kind of more of a traditional chiptune sounding instrument, but the rest of it's like radio quality. You know, you could go back in time to 1985 and turn on your hot jams radio station and oh, hear something time. exactly like that coming out of the speakers. That, that's funny you mentioned about that that square lead. I was thinking, man, that that sample it sounds like a sounds like a trumpet sample from a Super Nintendo. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But 100% agree with you. The the track itself. I would never have guessed this to be like uh, like a demo scene or you know done in a tracking uh, or in tracking software, easily heard on the radio. So absolutely, no, it, was, it was a good pick. How'd you come across this? Uh, you know, 
because I was kind of like trying to look for songs that were more slowed down and mellow, I just kind of was going by titles. I was like, well, maybe I'll try some stuff with some keywords. So I searched for, <laughs> you know, tracks with the word love and stuff like that. Right. So this was Forever Love and I just happened to, you know, come across it. So I was like, all right, this one is definitely going in because just from those first like three patterns in the song, I could tell this was going to be a, a fantastic track. Yeah, no, it's 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 really good. I mean, there's so much going on. I feel like... Um, it's got these very, very soft bells that play, I want to say, kind of halfway through. Oh, those through. bell pads are fantastic, yeah. Yeah, and it just kind of reminds me of, like, like looking across, like, the lake on a sunset and, like, the rippling water, you know, like, little tiny wakes going by. And at very, very detailed, it doesn't have these repetitive parts. It feels like every uh, section is very well, well thought out and uh, just kind of fits together as a complete package, complete track. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, like, the end of a Miami Vice show when they've got <laughs> they got the bad guy and they're like you know on the docks at night and they're like drinking champagne or whatever and you get that kind of like smooth horn style song in the background it's just yeah and 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 you would almost think that it was composed back then because it sound it has that kind of like you know mid 80s vibe to it but it's a right. 2006 song so he, he <laughs> really did that pretty well for that yeah um, I, I'm gonna have to go back through some of his uh you know mid 2000 catalog and see what else he's done just to just kind of play comparison see what other uh what other tracks he used those samples in and stuff because uh that's yeah, really wild yeah nowadays he goes by uh the handle mosaic um so you can head over to soundcloud.com backslash mosaic m-o-s-a-i-k and you can check out all the stuff that he's been doing recently he's got some old tunes and some more current ones on there as well all right, so I think we are moving on to the next track, and this is one I picked out. It's called Delightful, and it's a 16-channel XM file composed by Falcon in 1995. So let's check that out, and we will return in a second.
All right, welcome back. That was Delightful, a 16-channel XM file composed in 1995 by Falcom. It's a pretty cool track, though. Uh, instantly fell in love with this the first time I heard it. I thought it was Delightful. It was very delightful. Uh, <laughs> if you look at the, the title name itself, it's actually Delightful with an underscore at the end. I don't know why that is, but it's in the XM file itself. So if you're searching for it on like Mod Archive or something like that, uh, you may want to type that into the, the search field. Yeah, there's probably a bunch of other tracks on there called Delightful Something, so it'll help you at least narrow it down when you try to look for it. Right. Um, Falcom, so he is a Polish composer, and he's been in a bunch of different demo groups over the years. He's been in Pulse, Sunflower, Surprise Productions, and Tokyo Dawn Records, uh, TDR for short. And um, it's just an excellent track. When I first heard it, I was I was really impressed. I thought, you know, like... 390k that's that's really nothing you know when you think about it and so um i mean it, it might be a little heavy for you know the old days back you know 19 early 1990s but in you know the grand scheme of things like 390k is is absolutely nothing and the amount of or the the beauty that we're getting out of this this track is just unbelievable yeah i noticed in uh in the in the tracker that all the samples were only 8-bit mono yep. so and they sound really clear for being that that simple so they, they sure do and he's just doing some amazing sample manipulation too i mean i was looking at all the stuff going on with the with the waveforms as those guitar solos were coming in i was like oh my god i don't even know what the hell is going on in here <laughs> you know um what is interesting is that he has these uh, these very clean guitars and he mashes that up kind of with the the uh, distorted guitar that's uh, that's kind of soloing on top. And when the solo like kind of uh, tops out and it and it slides back down, it almost doesn't sound like it's a distorted guitar anymore. It almost sounds like just some like your your standard square wave that it, yeah, it pitches yeah. down into. It's kind of interesting to hear it that way because it kind of takes the the realism of the instrument and brings you back to that kind of chiptune feel. I, I don't know if that's what he was going for, but that's the feeling that I kind of got for him. Yeah, it's almost kind of jarring a little bit. You're, you're, you're thinking you're, you know, you're almost imagining yourself listening to a real rock band, and then all of a sudden you get these little hints of, right. you know, roboticism or, or, or synthesizers, and you're like, whoa, oh, okay, oh my god, yeah. I can't believe this is just sampled. Yeah. Um, I got a real, like, Carlos Santana vibe out of it. I think he was really trying to go for that kind of sound. You know, I actually kind of got a little bit of Scorpions in there with the uh, with the guitar when it was um, really uh, really on that distorted, those distorted solos. Oh, during that and part, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted like to hear like, uh, you know, some vocalist come in and start like almost crying on the microphone. But <laughs> no, it was, it was excellent. Uh, this, this track though, it's something that um, I found recently, I want to say in the last... Uh, six to eight months maybe and it's kind of been on the back burner and I didn't you know I didn't know when we were going to be able to kind of use it I was thinking maybe if we do like a like a guitar acoustic collection I could throw it in there but uh, I felt like it it was a really good slow jam kind of fits with the theme real well no I'm glad you did because this fits in really well with the rest of our tracks today yeah so Falcom the composer nowadays he runs a company called waveforms and it's kind of interesting because there's two sides to this company. One side is a music production and sound design studio, and the other side is an iOS software design and development company. So when you go to his website, you actually have the option, like, do you want to go to the iOS software dev side or do you want to go to the sound studio design side? So it's kind of, it's kind of split up, kind of funny, but uh, I thought it was you know interesting. The guy's still making stuff, and uh, it's I don't know. Just an interesting guy altogether, I think. It's cool. Sounds like you guys will get along, huh? 
I think so, except that I'm not a good composer <laughs> and uh, everything I make turns out basically sounding exactly the same. So <laughs> anyways, what do we what do we got next? Next up, uh, well, <clears throat> next up is a track called Fucking Slow. And this is from Carl Gustav Liebe.
Alright, welcome back. That track was called Fucking Slow, and that was a sit chip track using the 6581 in PAL timing. A minuscule three kilobytes. It was released in 1992 by the artist Carl Gustav Liebe, otherwise known as Yemon. And for the sake of Brian, for the rest of the break, we will be calling it <laughs> effing slow, so he doesn't have to bleep out every single yeah. time we say a bad word. But I do have to say, when I first heard this song, I, I, I'd never heard it until you, you sent it over to me, and I my first thought was, God, this is really fucking slow. Uh, but then it, <laughs> it, it does. No, it but starts it, off plotting. <laughs> but uh, you know, I know, I know your your taste in music, and we share a lot of uh, you know things that we like as far as um, you know video game music and uh, demo scene music. So I was like, this is going somewhere, and um, sure enough, I, I stuck with it. And about a minute in is when it really it really picks up, and you can hear all sorts of different uh, tricks that the Sid is known for. That you know different composers do on the Sid. And I think that uh, the track just really started speaking to me at that point. Yeah, I like right at the beginning, well, not at the beginning, but uh, like you said, about a minute, minute and a half in when those melodies start coming in, there's almost kind of like a, a call and response type thing with that, with the sine wave and with the triangle wave that kind of go back and forth. And you get this round, very round sound, and then it transfers over to this flat sound and they kind of answer each other back and forth. I thought well, that was a really cool technique you don't see in many Sid, Sid songs. Yeah, and you know, this is actually kind of a good showcase for some of the the tricks that we talked about in um, our previous episode, where they're creating that uh, that kind of fourth false voice by using that the 6581, uh, you know, that bug in the 6581 to kind of create that like that click right before the the you know before the tone actually plays, and um, I think that that later on when you get the bass on top of it it really kind of masks it and you don't hear it anymore as kind of like this just noise channel it actually fits in with the whole percussion line it sounds really amazing yeah there's all these little techniques that if you don't think about it it just makes the song sound really good but you don't you know it's hard to kind of grasp all of the technology that goes into making a song sound i guess you could say normal or maybe a little bit different but it's masked so well that it doesn't display itself as being a hack or something right i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah um so uh has been doing uh music since 1991 so he had only had a year experience with the sid chip when he created this track which is pretty impressive i i gotta say like i'm kind of more comfortable in like a tracker and I can get my way around in pretty much any tracker you throw at me but as soon as I put myself in front of something like um what is it goat tracker or something like that some SID based you know software I am totally lost it is a very very different different world for me yeah well fortunately we have some friends that are pretty good at SID composing so hopefully we'll be able to have them on the show at some point and they can impart some of their wisdom on us yeah yeah so uh Yamon was a member of the C64 demo group Depredators in 1991. He left in 1993 to join Pussy and did mostly Amiga Tracker music uh, with them. And he left the scene for 10 years and then he he came back and he's doing some more stuff now. Um, He joined or formed a group called the Depredators Music Division, otherwise known as DMD. And they do a lot of reggae, uh, dub pop, ska and rock stuff oh, that's cool uh, but they do a lot of chip tunes too um so he does xms and he also does sid music and for a little while he was also a member of dunex but i think that was only in 1990 right before he joined the depredators i, I see a lot of guys who are you know really great composers on the sid and they they kind of stick to that but it always kind of 
blows my mind when composers are so versatile that they can just really go to any application and uh, start composing music in it. Like there's certain composers that I've seen that you look at their uh, kind of their library and history of stuff that they've made. And it's like literally from every single chip imaginable that they've done stuff for. And so that that's a talent. I mean, like you have to be able to understand music well enough, but also be able to kind of comprehend the ins and outs of all these different applications. I guess, you know, coming from our perspective, it's kind of like playing a video game. You know, you've got your thumbs and you can Uh, use them for 25 different things and 25 different genres of game. But some people just see music like that, you know, so um, it's it's something that I can't really comprehend. (laughs) But I I can kind of like relate to it on that level, I guess. So when did you when did you find this track? Because uh, this is the first time. Since you sent it to me, it's the first time I heard it. So again, um, <laughs> I was looking for okay, keywords. I, I literally I went through my SID collection and searched for slow. <laughs> oh, it wasn't. You sure it wasn't the other word? I didn't search for epic. <laughs> no, I mean, I probably could have. I would have probably come up with some interesting tracks that way. But um, I was just looking for slow tracks, and this one stepped out at me. So uh, this track was originally released as a demo scene. Uh, track, but it was also later used in the game Echo Hawk in 1992, which was put out by Markton Techniques. So technically, it's still a demo scene yeah, yeah, track. Yeah. I'm kind of bending the rules a little bit, but I felt it was such a quality tune that it, it deserves to be. You in know it. what? I, I think that that's that's fair because a lot of music that these guys in the demo scene would release, they would you know release it in hopes that somebody would contact them and be like, "Hey, would you compose for this game? Or can I use this song for my game?" So. I think in that sense, really, like, you know, if, unless it was composed specifically for a game, I think everything is fair game, really, at that point. Yeah, I'm not going to play anything from Rad Racer or anything. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? Because my next track... No, well! <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's uh, move on. Do you have anything else about uh, Carl Gustav? Uh, no, that's pretty much all I got. He, he does have a bunch of tracks, like I said, both... Um, in the High Voltage SID collection and on Mud Archives. So you can search for Yaman on either one of those sites and come up with a bunch of his uh, tracks for both um, for both styles of music. Anyways, let's move on to the next track. And I got to say, like, this is something I was kind of reluctant to play because we just had a, uh, a track from him. This is a track by Jakeem. And it's something that we played in episode four, actually. You played the, the track Choke IT. And uh, I was, so I was kind of reluctant to play something again from the same composer right away. But this track kind of spoke to me on a new level because it came out literally just a few weeks ago in 2016, uh, January 18th of 2016. So the track is called Choiceless. So let's listen to that and we will be right back.
All right, that was Choiceless, composed by Jakim. It's a 16-channel XM file composed just a few weeks ago, January 18th of 2016, and it is 352 kilobytes. Pretty awesome track, I gotta say. Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking about the title of that track and how I don't think you even had a choice once you showed the song to me <laughs> yeah. about playing it just because Jaquim's already been on the show. I think I think the choice was obvious. Yeah. It's such a good song. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole thing was we're, we're only six episodes in now. We wanted to try to minimize the repeat uh, composers, try to kind of expand our, our horizons with, you know, a, a, just this variety of different artists. But after listening to this, I, I just, it fit the, it fit the theme of the show and I really wanted to incorporate something that was recent and, you know, a few weeks, you can't get any newer than this, right? So it was just an excellent, I think it was an excellent uh, pick for this topic. Yeah, and I think it's two different sides to Jakim too, even though it's the same composer. You know, Choke was a very chiptune, happy right. uh, style song, and then this one is much more mellow and kind of shows off a different side of him as well. Yeah, what I liked about this track too is the, it's kind of a blend of the new and the old, right? So you have this sample based uh rhythm section and the the percussion stuff it sounds very almost like um it's going through like like a korg or something like that and the the lead is all square wave and it's just a very simple square wave that really kind of harkens back to the the demo scene and the almost sid sounding style and the blend of that old and new kind of that contrast i think was really what i liked about it yeah one of my favorite parts about the track is that constant uh, arpeggio in the right channels, like dupa 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 over and over again. It just yeah. fills the song out so well, and it never seems to get in the way. And even though it's very repetitive, it always just seems to help everything else that's going on in the track. Right. There's a lot of different um, hand-drawn samples that he's done too, and I think that that kind of gives it, like we've said in previous episodes, that does kind of give it its really its its uniqueness. I think it kind of lends to that. You know, nobody else has the sound. This isn't generated. This is this is something that I've I've created. It's his own it's his own sound that it's never gonna be used anywhere else or it's never been used before. So I mean he may have recycled this from an old an old track, but at the same time it still has this, you know, unique kind of value to it. Yeah, I'm I'm just happy we were able to kind of bring something to you guys that was so brand spanking new. I'm sure a lot of people haven't even heard this one yet. Yeah. And if you want to actually listen to this track in its uh, in its uploaded form, it's if you go to soundcloud.com slash Jaquim, that's J-A-K-I-M slash choiceless, that's the upload. And you can actually listen to it there. Excellent. Ready for the next one? We sure are. Alrighty. This one is called Tears of a Macintosh from DNA Groove.
All right, welcome back. That was Tears of a Macintosh. That was a 15-channel impulse tracker file. Another big one, 683 KB, released in May of 1999. And that was from DNA Groove, otherwise known as Eliran Ben Ishai. And I feel like I'm laying on my back in a planetarium every time I listen <laughs> to that song. Yeah, it's it's really got this open atmospheric, spacey kind of hypnotic feeling that it it gives me I, I i like the track though it's way mellow yeah i got like an enya kind of feel to it a really nice piano and then there was that we were talking about that that kind of lead synth while the song was playing it's kind of like oh it was at least beautiful. I, I thought it was like a cross between like a lead guitar and a pan flute something yeah. in that kind of range yeah no i think that's a good description like i think the the main part that i liked was just the the repetition of the piano i thought it was or bells or it's it's kind of like like this weird organ kind of sound but it's i, I don't really know how to describe the instrument because i'm sure this is you know approximating something but it just sounds so clean and uh just i i think that's what gives you that kind of euphoric state you know, slow, melodic background piano. Yeah, I think this and our, our lead-in track, um, Forever Love, have a lot in common with each other. They both yeah. have that very same sound to them. And uh, again, you know, just like Forever Love, the the samples in this song, nothing feels forced. You know, you sometimes you hear tracker files or, you know, tracker music, and and you can tell that it's kind of like an Uncanny Valley thing where... where you know, instruments are trying to sound like real instruments, but they're just different enough that everything kind of feels yeah, artificial. It's, it's just, it's like, uh, it's like bad voice acting in video games. You exactly. Know? It's, it feels out of place. It just doesn't feel right. No matter how much they try to fake it, it just won't, won't quite get there. Yeah. I think, uh, I think DNA Groove knows the strengths and the weaknesses of both the tracker format and his instruments. And he plays to the strengths and avoids the weaknesses of you know everything throughout the song i there wasn't a single part in that song where i heard anything that sounded off you know yeah totally get you so i'm noticing something this this doesn't look like it has any you know buzzwords in it maybe were you searching for tears or something um did you just come across this it wasn't something that i had searched for specifically for this track i had had it in a folder of of stuff that i liked from a while back so i just plucked it out of there um, when I first saw Macintosh, I was thinking, oh, maybe this is like the Apple 2GS. And I was like all excited. And then I kind of realized, well, that was, you know, pre-Macintosh. So that, that would work. <laughs> Anyhow, so um, Anyhow. DNA Groove, uh, otherwise known as Eliran Ben Ishai, hails from Tel Aviv, Israel. And I couldn't find too much information on the groups he was in. Um, I know he was in Monolith. And he's got two SoundClouds, so you can go to soundcloud.com slash DNA hyphen groove, and that's where he puts all of his chiptune stuff, where you can find this particular track. Uh, it's a lot of his kind of fun, um, you know, more lighthearted stuff. And then his professional stuff is soundcloud.com slash Eliran um, Ben Ishai. And so there he puts a lot of his more serious stuff where he, you know, has a, a professional portfolio and he does music beds for, you know, other podcasts and, and commercials and, and radio stuff. So um, cool. it's two, two very different sides to him. And we'll put up those links on, on the website and on the Facebook as well. Anyways, I think we are on the last track. Well, we are on the last track. And this is kind of a special song for me. I really like this one. I've had this kind of on my 
just on my playlist. It's kind of traveled along with me through the years, and it's a very important one. It's called Thematic Hymn, and it's composed by one of the greatest composers of all times in the demo scene. It's Lizard King. So let's listen to that, and we'll be right back. Right, that was Thematic Hymn, a four-channel mod file composed in 1995 at 131K, composed by Lizard King, also known as Gustav Grefberg. Excellent. I love this track. Something about it, I guess, uh, you know, hearing it a long time ago, and maybe it's a nostalgia thing. I don't know. What'd you think? I thought it was fantastic. I, you know, the first thing I envisioned was a lot of those old Sega Genesis golf games with those kind of jazzy <laughs> soundtracks that had that, yeah. that real feel to it yeah um you know 131 kilobytes for for 1995 and a four channel mod that's pretty big so he's, he's using a lot of different samples in this yeah the samples are pretty long actually they're they're pretty pretty good sized samples and i think that's why those uh quiet synths the you know the the major minor chords that you hear 
has those samples quite quite large and i think that's what attests to the file size i definitely think uh yeah this is a guy that that knows what he's doing and and like i was saying while we were we were talking during the the track i think if this track were a a tiny bit faster or maybe a little more happy it probably wouldn't have fit so well with this uh with this collection of music <laughs> but like it just it just slides underneath that that slow groove line especially because those those lead synths they're so rounded and so fun to listen to they don't there's no harshness at all everything is just yeah. just smooth and fun well i think if it wasn't for those chords that play throughout the song i think you're right it probably would have jumped over to like the more pop genre yeah but it, it you're right it does just kind of squeak under the under the door there and fits into this episode i think really well i gotta give a little bit of credit to um actually one of our listeners a guy named alex may i was talking to him about some different tracks and i was you know telling him about some um, lizard king tracks that i liked and he he mentioned this track he just you know said he's like oh man i loved thematic hymn and uh i i was like oh man i hadn't heard that in a while that was one of my favorites too and so I kind of had that on my on my brain when we were thinking about doing this kind of you know slow jam episode. And so I want to give him a little shout out because uh, he definitely gave me the inspiration to to remember it for for this type of show. And that's really cool because I think it does fit pretty well. Well, thank you, Alex. Yeah. Anyways, um, Lizard King, he has a ton of different stuff. You can, I mean, seriously, you can't get bored of his music. There's there's so much different stuff out there. And if you go to like Mod Archive, there's a, like a million different files files he's done uh, I have all sorts of weird collections that I've found on BBS's and stuff from back in the day um, some have been updated some haven't and so really looking through this guy's kind of collection his discography is is pretty impressive because he goes all across the board with different genres and uh, later on he's also known as uh, Zane and the reason why is because he also did some commercial releases and he thought you know Lizard King might get into some copyright problems with Jim Morrison and the Doors. So, oh yeah, yeah. So on the back of his his discs that he uses Zane as his his alias, um, on the back it actually says like you know known in the demo scene as Lizard King. So you know he still wants people to know you know who's actually composing this stuff. But uh, yeah, well, he's made he's made such a name for himself. I'm sure that you know people want to he wants to associate that name, right? You know, especially w- without without running into those copyright issues. Um, in, in looking through lots of different tracker files and all the notes, it's constantly popping up that I'm seeing people thanking Lizard King. Oh yeah, or crediting Lizard King for the samples in the song, or so you know he he's definitely influential on tons and tons of composers. Right. So he's a Swedish musician and he started playing piano around the age four. And like, like I said before, he's like kind of one of the legends of audio in the demo scene. He's been a member of groups like Alcatraz, The Silence, Razor 1911, Black Lotus, Maniacs of Noise and Triton. So he created another kind of genre or music style with another composer from the demo scene known as Joaquin Falk or Deluxe. And it's called Dosk Pop. And you might see this pop up a lot, like in, um, like if you go into SoundCloud and you do like a search for the hashtag DoskPop, a lot of chip tunes will kind of reference DoskPop as their style, and it's it's really interesting because um, the the way that it actually was formed is it was it's I guess it's kind of a joke. So I was looking at this interview on SpaceSynth.net where he was kind of asked like like how did you come up with this this genre because it's kind of unique to to him and some of the other people in his uh in the groups that he was part of and basically it was something that they came up with to describe their music around 1993 
So you know, like when we're talking about um, when we're talking about like, oh, that that track sounded kind of kind of dancey, but kind of disco at the same time. It had a little bit of pop to it. Well, instead of trying to explain in like a sentence, he basically combines all of that and created the the genre dosk pop. Ah. And um, so it's kind of stuff like dance and disco, but it for- focuses more on a theme, certain bass lines and harmonies, a lot of characteristics that you hear in the demo scene. So it's it's not just demo scene music. You know, dosk pop can be just anywhere you know it could be in any kind of platform or live instruments or whatever but it does kind of have to harken back to that like amiga demo scene era to kind of give it that that genre title i guess you're making a very good case for a dusk pop episode in the future yeah i know i think it's a it's a given (laughs) um so he has a few commercial released albums too there's Physiology in 1993, Mind Litter, Fashion 8, Audiophonic, Meregnung Volume 1 and 2, and Born in the Stars. And that's where he uses the name Zane. And that was released in 2004. But he's also doing the composition for a bunch of different uh, video games, too, for Starbreeze Studios. So there's Enclave, Justice, Knights of the Temple, The Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, Magnus Dawn, The Darkness, and Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. I have not played any of these games, but if he did the music, I might might want to go check them out. I have. I've played uh, Chronicles of Riddick and The Darkness. Um, it's like a first-person kind of a game, and from what from what I remember, the uh, the soundtracks to most of these games were like more of a um, atmospheric, like a symphonic. Oh, okay. Yeah, a- atmospheric symphonic kind of a soundtrack. So he must have switched over to that at some point. Yeah. Anyways, this track I I just thought it was an excellent piece and an excellent um, example of his more laid-back, slower kind of stuff. And but if you want to know more about him, you can check out his SoundCloud as well. That's soundcloud.com slash Gustav Grefberg. And uh, we'll have a link in the show notes as well. Sweet. I got to go check out some Dusk Pop. I have not heard of that before this show. So <laughs> now I'm interested. Well, uh, well, yeah. And we're probably going to have to do an episode on it now, too. Anyways, that wraps up the show. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to know more about Impulse Project, you can check us out online at impulseproject.info. And we're also on Twitter at ImpulseCast. Yes, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ruiner9. And I am also on Twitter at Doki Doki Panic. Ed, you want to plug the Facebook, right? Absolutely. So you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash Impulse Project. And there we will post our shows. But you can also join in the uh, the fun and you can post chiptunes that you love. You can give us suggestions for other uh, ideas for show themes or composers we might not be familiar with. There are lots of composers that post there as well, so you can check out original releases and chat with them. It's uh, It's been really successful. There's been a ton of activity on there, so we're really happy about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. Every time I see a notification on my phone, I'm like, oh, sweet, I wonder what somebody posted. <laughs> and uh, usually it's always at a time where I can't listen to it or something, but then I go back to my, my desk and I'm, I'm jamming. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've been having a great time moderating it, so definitely come check it out yeah and then you know future episodes we uh i don't know what our theme will be for the next one but i'm excited to find out <laughs> uh we do have some plans for stuff like covering some um some different uh demo group like parties and uh some different compos and stuff like that so keep an eye on the twitter feed on facebook and uh yeah so what we've decided to do is every five episodes or so we are going to introduce a new chip or a new system um, used for composing demo scene and chiptune music 
into the uh, the Impulse Project family, so to speak. Right. So right now, like I said, we, we've we've started off with uh, tracker music, and then we've added uh, Sid Chip music on episode five. So now, basically, that leaves fair ground for us to play anything from Sid and Tracker Files. Right. So on episode ten, we're going to introduce a new chip, which we haven't really talked about yet, from what I recall i don't think we've talked about it yet <laughs> we've, we've we've mentioned a few things i mean yeah yeah but we'll make that a surprise right what it, what it came down to is we were like well let's play this and this and this and we started coming up with all these different things we're like you know what we should really we should really kind of explain these chips as we introduce them a little bit better so that was the the thought behind you know every every five episodes we'll introduce something new otherwise it's just this kind of mix this litter of you know just random files here and there and we kind of want you guys to understand the uh the the hardware side of it a little bit more and you know the kind of the technical limitations with that those uh chipsets yeah because the hardware is just as big of a part of it as the composers and as the the music itself so we want to be kind of all encompassing so you know once we do a spotlight episode on a new chip then that means that new chip will become available for us to pick tracks from and mix them in with the tracker files and the sid files and and whatever we have going forward so as the show progresses we will evolve and we will start adding in new uh systems and new chips and and pretty right. soon you know we might actually have you know free pick episodes without any tracker files in them yeah. At some point, that's almost it, a scary thought. And so, if you guys are wondering, like, oh, how come they haven't played any, you know, Atari ST or uh, ZX Spectrum or Game Boy or anything like that? Well, we are trying to keep it in the demo scene. That's true, but at the same time, we we do want to expand to all of the demo scene. The demo scene isn't confined to one, you know, specific area. It's kind of all over the place. So our heads would probably explode if we had to, you know, pick from the entire demo scene right <laughs> off the bat. Anyways, if you guys want to know more about the show, you can go to the uh, venues that we talked about before. Otherwise, see you guys in a few weeks for our next episode.